Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, Heather Shorts. Now, Heather is a self-professed former fat girl turned U.S. team triathlete and personal trainer. And today we're going to dive into her story and uh, collect, I'm sure, quite a few nuggets along the way. So, Heather, thank you so much for being on. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, like I do with all my guests, I like to get some context around your life. We did a pre-interview, and you are telling me a little bit about your weight loss journey, some issues that you were having, um, you know, some self-image issues that you dealt with growing up. And I'd like to just frame that, if, if we can, and maybe take us back to you know, young life for yourself growing up in uh, Georgia, was it? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, uh, when I was 13, my parents divorced. But before that, my, because uh, that's where the weight gain came in, my uh, mom was a health nut. And I remember to this day, she would sit like 17 Shackley vitamins in front of us. We'd take our vitamins, have our breakfast. My mom always baked everything. So when we went to live on the farm with grandma and grandpa, uh, that's where the weight gain started because we started eating cornbread, fried hush puppies, French fries, fried chicken, fried fish, et cetera. You know, just the good old farm food. Mm -hmm. And um, so then fast forwarding to like high school, um, I went to try out for the track team because I, you know, I, I didn't know how to lose weight. I didn't know what to do. Uh, my sister, she went to um, try out as well. They thought she would be faster because she was taller, but I was shorter. And little did I know that I loved running, but, you know, I just wanted to try to do something to lose the weight. So then I ended up becoming a band nerd. And I would say I gained maybe 50 pounds between my teens and going to high school. And, um, and then, you know, the weight just progressively kept, uh, I kept progressively gaining weight because I had no self-confidence. I didn't have many friends. I was made fun of. I was called names at church, at school. We lived in a small town. So um, I ended up, you know, graduating high school, uh, a band nerd. And so um, let's go back and unpack some of this, because I think there's a lot in your story that people can relate to that maybe um, we could go a little bit deeper with. And sure. um, you started you started talking your, or started telling your story at around the age of 13 and you had mentioned that your parents had gone through a divorce and that caused mm -hmm. your circumstances in life to change. What specifically yeah. happened at that point in time for you um, psychologically or physically, if you can remember that far back to cause you to, you know, sort of, I guess, not really value yourself enough to really put good quality fuel in your body? Well, my my mom was not liked by my dad's side of the family and I favor my mom for one, but anyway, I have her body type and I look like her. But besides that fact, my us girls were never valued by my dad's family and they were never, we were never, you know, praised except for by our grandmother. You know, she was, I think the most positive influence in our life, but she was like, Heather, you're smart, get your studies, blah, blah, blah. you know, just study, study, study. So anyway, like our family, we would hear the adults talk about us like, um, and just, you know, my grandfather, he would call us the devil's children because he didn't like my mom, that really? we were evil. We were hurt, you know, our parents were splitting. And then you would go to school 
and you're overweight, you're not in the in crowd, and you would go to church and see the same people, and people were making fun of you because you didn't have the clothes that they had, mm-hmm. you, you know, your hair wasn't the same way, or your dad didn't drive the car that their parents drove. Right. So it, it was a lot of hurt, you know, a lot of negativity. And so as you were, the family. yeah, so as you were experiencing this and, you know, going through this as a young, as a young girl, as a young woman, you know, what was, uh, what was going through your mind in terms of why this was happening? Like, why or did you understand or was, was there any sort of concept of as to why your grandparents didn't necessarily like your mom or your mom's side of the family? Um, they just, they didn't like her because of the hurt and the pain of the divorce. And my grandfather just never liked my mother. Um, my well, my grandfather wanted my dad, uh, from what my mom told me, to marry a very well-off lady. And my dad chose my mom instead of her. Mm. Um, but uh, they just, um, I don't know, they never got along. That's really all that I know. But, you know, we were never praised like my cousins were. We weren't praised. You know, they always just thought we were spoiled kids uh, when my parents were together. And no, we were just hurt kids, you know, because my parents fought a lot they bickered a lot mm-hmm. and it just it got to the point where they just you know they couldn't do it anymore I guess and you know we went to live with our dad because my dad was in the army my mom was a housewife uh, and she started to work uh, for the first time as we were getting in our teens when we could take care of ourselves mm-hmm. and uh, I guess maybe her going to work I don't know caused a bunch of animosity but um, there was just a, a lot of brokenness in our family and my younger sister and myself wanted to go with my mom and my older sister and, or my two older sisters wanted to go with my dad. And he was like a no, all or none. I'm not splitting them up, but you know, it, it was just a lot of, I guess, harsh feelings from the other side of the family, mm-hmm. my dad's side. Mm-hmm. So, so at this point in, in your life and you're going through this experience and I guess, and on some level you're almost having to choose since your dad is saying, you know, all or nothing kind of a thing. You know, what did right. you think was, what did you think was going to happen at that point? Did you have any sort of inclination to believe that things were going to get better or was it just like, you know, this is as good as it gets kind of a thing. And, you know, we, we don't really have a choice. So let's just, uh, you know, choose in and do what we can to, to make the best of it. That, yeah. The latter part. I mean, there was really nothing we could do. Uh, you know, my mom was just starting to work. She was, you know, she wasn't, any more well off than my dad. And, um, you know, I know it was a tough decision for her as well. Um, so we just all ended up going with my dad because that was the best, I guess, plan of care for us, you know, cause he had my grandparents, he was in the army, mm-hmm. he was in the army for 25 years. And so, you know, <clears throat> for someone to be there with us a lot and take care of us. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we lived the farm life. We shucked our own corn, snapped our own peas. We got out there and, you know, uh, tended to the garden and and helped grandma and grandpa, but, you know, just had no self-confidence, had no, when you constantly hear people put you down and, uh, or, you know, overhear adults, the adults of your family, or you go to school, go to church, and it's not positive. Mm -hmm. You may be, maybe one or two childhood friends that made it positive. But other than that, you know, when you constantly hear negativity, it, it really affects you and your, the, the way you value yourself, the way you see yourself. I, we were always told we would never amount to anything. We'd be no good, you know? So 
Yeah, I can uh, I can definitely relate to that. It's uh, it's it's somewhat troubling to hear that you even experienced this. You know, as you went into church, for example. I mean, you, you on some level you expect it from school kids, right? Because kids are honest and right. mean. <laughs> but uh, you know, when you experience it at church, that takes it to a whole new level. What were some of the things that you were experiencing um, during the during that time period where you were attending church and hearing negativity? Well, we were treated different after our parents were divorced uh, just by the other kids in the youth group. And, you know, there were some adults that watched out over us because they knew that we were hurting on the inside. And I I look back now and think, you know, people would have just tried to understand what it's like to be a child of divorce because everybody else's parents were together and we were just kind of like the outcasts because, you know, our parents split. And like I said, there were a few um, a few girls that were really nice. One of them, her name was Heather too. They had to call us by our last names, but you know, there are a few, uh, friends, um, that we had at the time, uh, that were, you know, they were, they were really understanding and cared for us. But, you know, at, at that time, I think in, in our lives, <laughs> it was more about clicks and people being with the in crowd and mm-hmm. how you looked and the exterior and it, the interior is what matters more than anything. It doesn't matter what you look look like on the outside. God didn't say he didn't separate us all. He said to love, you know, everyone should love one another, you know, no matter what. Right. Right. Yeah. So you were feeling you and you, you and your sisters were feeling separate from, from the rest of the people that you were hanging out with. Yeah. So, you know, what did you guys do to deal with that? I mean, other than, I mean, it sounds like you kind of withdrew into yourselves a little bit, but what was that experience like from, from, from your perspective as a young woman in that experience? Oh, it was, it was hard. Like I said, I had a few friends. I had a friend named Heather, a friend named Tammy. Um, Tammy and I would hang out a lot. We had a lot in common. I would go over to her house so she'd come over to mine. I wanted to go over to hers a lot because, you know, it just, I wasn't comfortable at home and, uh, I liked being over at her house cause it was peaceful and, you know, it was just kind of like calming, but yes, you're right. We were drew to ourselves. We kept a lot inside, a lot bottled up. Um, you know, you, you, when you don't feel like you can talk to really anyone anywhere, you know, like at home, I mean, we would talk to grandma when we could sit down with her when she wasn't, you know, cleaning, cooking, whatever, you know, uh, she, she was always active doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I tried to fit in in the band, you know, from, uh, Ella, well, from high school, sorry. Um, but, you know, it, you just, you try to fit in with people. And when you get rejected so much, you just kind of like withdraw. And then we started getting in trouble at home. We started, you know, kind of uh, rebelling at home mm-hmm. uh, because we didn't feel loved. And, you know, then sometimes you just, uh, like they say, you have to pick your battles, you know, uh, you have to know when to be quiet. Just go to your room, shut the door, grab a book or something. You know, I would try to study because <laughs> I, lo- I love to learn. I love knowledge. I, I just love to grow. Um, I didn't realize that at that time, but we were army brats. And so my sister, she would take me to the base and we would get in a little trouble. <laughs> you know, she was driving the next to the oldest sister because she had a fiance at that time. Um and uh, she ended up getting married, but, you know, uh, she would use my health as, a, as an excuse sometimes. Oh, I'm taking Heather to the hospital. And we were actually going to the base to, to get in trouble right. <laughs> teenagers. I think I was like maybe 16, 17, and she was probably around 18. She was driving. I wasn't. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we started rebelling 
skipping out of the house. You know, like I said, my dad wasn't there a lot. It was grandma and grandpa. And, you know, we lived out in the country. So, uh, it's, you know, it it took like 15 minutes to get to town. You know, it was a small town. So where, where were you guys located? You said you were in Georgia, right? Yes. Well, we were born on Fort Gordon and then our parents moved to Thompson, which is 30, 30 minutes North of Augusta. Um, and we ended up moving to this small town called Thompson, Georgia. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a small town. I mean, you know, you have, like I said, your clicks and everybody knows your business. Everybody knows who you are. And, you know, I think that was one of the downfalls, you know, because everybody knew everybody and everybody was talking about everybody already and had their minds made up about everybody. Right. Yeah, I can I can relate. I grew up in a town called Watkinsville, which was a total blinky miss it town. The the only thing I had going for it was really it was close to Athens, which was a much bigger town. But uh, you know, a lot of times I think when people look at the maps of the South, right, you see a town every thirty miles. There's you know every twenty to thirty yeah. miles, there's another town. But you might drive, you know, like you're talking about from between say Athens and Augusta, and there's really nothing. Like there's a few houses here and there, some farms some blinky miss at towns, but there's really not what you would consider a like, you know, something to do a town or that sort of thing. And it can be very desolate and isolated and you can feel alone even when you're around the people in those places, because like you said, everybody knows everybody and there's a pretty strong sense of, you know, <laughs> who's doing what and when, what and, and with whom, you know? So, right. um, yeah. So I remember, I remember growing up in a similar situation and just, and just, trying to imagine what it would be like to be in a place where there was more like, like everyone's connected, but they're not really connected. They're connected on a certain level, but that deeper level seems to be missing. And it sounds like that was what you were experiencing as well, because you mentioned you guys were kind of suffering underneath the surface. Absolutely. That, that is it. 100%. You know, we, we were missing an emotional connection, you know, because we were already missing our mother. Our dad wasn't, at home a lot and you know our grandparents were taking care of us so all we wanted was friendships and relationships right right you know but it was hard to make friends because everybody was our everybody already had their mind made up about you (laughs) yeah it's funny how that works out i found that when i moved out west and and left the south what i realized was a lot of what i would consider you know friends or family or um successful people or success-minded people generally had a sort of a pre, they were like preordained based on like family name. Like if you had a good family name in the area, you know, then you're sort of preordained to be the the quarterback or, you know, you're sort of preordained to be this, that, or the other thing, depending on, on where your family came from. There's sort of this idea of royalty, you know, coming from those small towns. At least that was my experience growing up. Was it kind of like that for you? Yes. My grandfather, he would sit in the same pew at church. We had to go to church no matter what. And we would all sit in the same pew, all young, oldest to youngest. And yeah, it was it was about show, to be honest with you. It was all about the exterior, not the interior, you know, mm-hmm. which is what is missing, I think, sometimes in our world today, you know, still. But yeah, uh, the small towns, I think it's, it's more about show. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. That was definitely my experience is keeping up exper- appearances more so than than anything. Even in, in places like church, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, coming from the same area, I had a similar upbringing and, you know, we always had to go to church and, 
you know, there's, yeah. there's never reason to miss. And, you know, we had to do certain things when we were there. There was all this sense of obligation and keeping up appearances. But mm-hmm. when it came right down to it, I always felt like something was lacking when it came to, you know, would someone really have my back if I needed them kind of a thing, you know, or um, right. does someone really have my best interest at heart? But if I really genuinely needed someone from this community, would I have their support? And, you know, I, I don't feel like I would have. And uh, it was, it was very unnerving for me. I think today that's one of the reasons I value like deeper connection with people. And so um, that's one of those reasons that I really appreciate you uh, being willing to share your story. So Uh, as you, as you sort of evolved as a young woman and went into those high school years, you said you tried out for the track team, you know, became a band nerd, you know, um, but you started putting on weight, you know? So mm -hmm. what was that experience like as a high school girl growing up in the South? Oh, it, well, I mean, I, like you said, I kind of withdrew to myself. I just had a few friends and um, I wasn't in with the in crowd and I was made fun of and called names. I was called ugly and, you know, just just ugly childhood names, um, you know, that aren't even worth repeating. But the, it, it was, you know, you were just uncomfortable all the time, you know, uh, uncomfortable in school. Who was going to be poking and making fun of you, you know, and then I had a younger disabled sister uh that i looked after in school and so i was standing up for her trying to help her and defend her because you know special people you know get picked on a lot too and Mm -hmm. it was just like you said it was more about the exterior not the interior people didn't care about really relationships um at that time it was just who could flash, you know, who had the poofiest hair, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> who, you know, it was just who had the latest boyfriend or who was going to be whose boyfriend or girlfriend. And it was just like, I was so over that. I didn't even care about that. All I wanted was a friend, right? you know? Um, yeah, that's, that's really all I wanted. And I think that's why I dove into being in the band and really got into music. And I love music. It's just a a way of worship and expression for me now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's one of the ways that I can just feel the Lord's presence. But um, I, I played flute during concert season and percussion during marching season. But I I didn't have, I had maybe two high school friends, Tammy and Latasha, um, and, and they were good friends and we're still connected today. Uh, we don't talk as often as we we once did, but we grew up together. We were buddies I think we all kind of suffered on the inside you know we were like the outcasts and you know we were uh we were just we weren't in with the in crowd right and so it was more painful on the inside than I think I showed on the outside you know I just wanted to try to smile and be happy but you can only try to smile so much if all you hear is negativity I have this this idea that you know kids that a lot of times experience this sort of upbringing where you know you you kind of observe other people, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're, like you said, you're not one of the in crowd, but it's not like you right. disappear. You're still there. Right? You're observing other, these other people and you're seeing what's going on. And, and I think, a, I think a big part of that is it allows you to develop um, a, a sense of maturity earlier in life. And yes. um, a lot of times people describe that as being an old soul or having an old soul. And so as you were talking, I was just wondering if that was true for you. <laughs> I've uh, been known to be really responsible. Like I said, I had to uh, take care of my sister, younger sister, when my parents divorced. And uh, yeah, I I grew up at a very early age and matured very fast. 
So yeah, I guess you could say I'm an old soul, but <laughs> yeah, I would, well, I would yeah. describe you as that. So I'm um, curious though, um, you know, going through, uh, you know, the divorce and dealing with some of the emotional strife of, you know, ins and outs of church and school and relationships and this and that and the other thing, you know, um, when you started to, you know, realize that maybe you weren't going to be one of the in crowd and you were starting to put on weight, you know, like what, at what point in your life did you say, you know what, this isn't necessarily um, the way I want to show up, you know, cause you mentioned you wanted to try out for the track team. What was it because yeah. you wanted to become fitter or be, or see yourself as a different person or was there something else driving you to want to do that? Um, I just wanted to lose weight. Didn't know how I figured maybe if I started running and learning about that, that, I would, you know, um, I would lose weight. I didn't know, you know, like I said, what to do. I had, I had no clue. You know, all we knew was just working on the farm. I mean, when my parents were together, my mom and my sisters and I, we would like power walk the neighborhood, but we didn't run. But that was our form of exercise with our mom after school, mm -hmm. you know, to get, get rid of the school stress or whatever. But, you know, we would, we would have like a little competition but that was a, as much exercise as I got. But, you know, she made sure we were healthy. And so when that was gone from my life, I didn't know what to do. You know, I right. was lost. Who became that person for you that sort of shone a light on, you know, what you could do to, you know, improve your fitness? Or was this something that came much, much later in life? Oh, it was later in life when I had the second doctor just tell me that, yeah, I saw myself getting bigger in my clothes and, you know, it was from eating, well, grandma's homemade biscuits and chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> homemade chocolate chip cookies. Right. And, you know, my form of a snack was going and grabbing a handful of chocolate chips. I mean, who doesn't like chocolate, right? Right. Um, <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, right. So, um, and now I find myself baking now that I'm healthier, I find myself baking from home and when I have the time and, uh, making things from home. But, um, at that time I, I just, I didn't know. I, I, I figured, well, if I made the track team, I would learn about all this stuff, mm -hmm. but it wasn't the right time in my life, I guess, you know? And so as you went on through your, your young adulthood and, you know, got into college or whatever, you said that you had peaked out somewhere around a hundred pounds overweight. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was 240 240 pounds. The doctor said I should weigh about 135, 140. Um, you know, and like I said, when the second doctor told me that I was like a 60 year old on the inside that didn't take care of themselves, and I, because I thought, well, I'm not, I'm 31. I'm not gonna have a heart attack or stroke. Right. I didn't know anything about, you know, uh, metabolic issues like I do now. And, um, I just, I was clueless, I guess that that's the only word that comes to mind is I was just clueless. Um, you know, he's just like, Heather, you're like a 60 year old on the inside who doesn't take care of themselves. I was like, Oh, okay, this is serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. That's got to hit you pretty hard. I mean, I think, um, one of the yeah. things I've always been curious about and, um, you know, I watched my mom struggle with this as well. My mom was uh, extremely overweight when I was young and she was depressed a lot and, you know, would, basically sleep the days away whenever she could. And I think a lot of it was because she didn't want to face the reality that she had created for herself. But I'm just curious yeah. if when you were, you know, before you had the doctor, you know, say, look, you know, you, you really need to change your ways or else. Was there a part of you that was really taking stock of what you created or were, were you genuinely oblivious to like how you were showing up in terms of like weight gain? I mean, I understand being 
understand separating yourself from the experience of, um, you know, like not seeing yourself as the best person that you can be, you know, like, okay, well, right. I'm, I'm sort of giving up on this best, best version of me, but it's, it seems like it'd be difficult to separate yourself from the fact that you might be in trouble even before you have a doctor tell your, tell you, you know, look, you know, you're in trouble here. You need to start you know working on your fitness. Right. Cause you know, yeah, I mean, I didn't know how to eat or what to eat. I think that is one of the biggest issues with, um, with weight loss is people don't know what to eat or they want to do the latest fat or the latest diet because you don't know what to do, who to reach out to, uh, especially if you don't have support, you know, like my husband, he was a track star, a basketball star, a baseball. I mean, he was really the active one when we met, mm-hmm. we've kind of like role reversal here, <laughs> but, um, he, you know, he knew how to eat correctly, but then, you know, uh, when the second doctor told me I was, I have food allergies and I, I had no clue that that is part of the reason why I was swelling so much and I was feeling so cruddy, um, was the fact that I have food allergies and the inside of me was reacting, right. um, to the food, but not, not just the food, it's the preservatives that are in our food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then is when I was really forced to, I would say, or I had to learn to start to start learning about nutrition, especially from my personal trainer, you know, as we started our journey, you know, I, I'm the all all in or nothing kind of gal. And I think I dove too fast. And that's why I always encourage my clients now to take it slow. It's a slow process. It took it took time to get here and it's going to take time to where you want to want to be. Right. Um, but yeah. I think a big part of working with people though is, is cultivating that mindset, you know I mean? And now working with people, you know, how do you keep someone, you know, focused on the end result when you're working with them? What are some of the things that, you know, people can walk away with and say, you know what, I heard this might help me stay the course, you know, when everything in them wants to quit and everything in them wants them to, you know, binge on donuts or whatever the thing may be, right? Like that's the big piece is just knowing that at the end of the day, you can trust yourself to do the right thing. Right. Well, I'd say one is accountability. I provide my clients with that. I always ask them how their nutrition is going or most of them. Some will say, I don't, you know, I'm not worried about that right now. I want to get healthy. I want my quality of life first. Um, and, and then when they're ready, they talk about their nutrition. Um, but I would say, uh, being approachable, um, and, and, uh, just goal setting, knowing that they have a goal that they're working towards um, and and just always letting them know that I am there for them throughout the week, even if I, you know, because I don't have my cell phone on me when I'm with clients, but reassuring them that we are a team and that we're going to do this together. I never want anyone to feel alone, you, you know, uh, because everyone needs support. When I had support for the first time in my life, from my husband, from somebody who truly loved me and we're married to this day, um, almost 13 years later, it'll be next year. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Um, it was the most amazing feeling, just knowing that somebody had your back. And that's the way I want my clients to feel is like, I have their back. I have their best interests at heart. This is, and, and, your, yes, your body physically goes through changes, but I think it's the emotional and mental changes that are more um, profound. Mm-hmm. Uh, your body will do anything it's put to the test to do. 
but it's it's your mind that can hold you back that can set you back um because if you're used to doing things by yourself like i have a current client she's used to doing things by herself now she's starting to text me or put in her my fitness pal you know whatever i want my clients to do what's best for them if you know you're better at putting it in an app like my fitness pal then great if you're better at writing it down and keeping track of your food that way great bring it into me you know email it to me take pictures of it i I don't care. It's what works best for my clients. But I would say, sorry, I got off on a little tangent. (laughs) You got passionate there for a second. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I I truly love what I do because it's changed my life. You know, uh, like I said, having that support, I think is so huge, whether it's a spouse or a friend or your trainer, you have to learn to trust someone because you cannot do this alone. And I think having a buddy someone that I could trust, like when I felt like crying because I was so emotional because for the first time in my life, I liked what I saw in the mirror and I was keeping it off. I wasn't doing a fad or a diet. I was learning what my body liked, the food my body liked. Mm, so important. Yeah. So let's, yes, talk, let's yes. talk about that for a second. Let's go a little bit one level deeper on the support conversation because I think this is super important. The, you know, you were, you sort of described what support looked like for you and then you're giving that same sort of support to your clients, but also giving them the freedom to say, you know, hey, do what works best for you, right? You're putting them first, right. you're prioritizing them. But if you contrast that with, say, some of the conversations that are going on in the world today, right? Like we have this idea that the next generation coming up is weak and coddled and you know, that they are basically receiving too much support in a lot of ways, you know, like Mm. at, at what point do you say, you know, as a professional, you know, I've done my level best to give you the support that I know how to provide. At some point you have to meet me. You have to take a step toward me. Like what, what is your mindset around those two conflicting ideas? I, I just, I'm very real and very transparent with my clients. And I just say, look, we're not seeing progress because of X, Y, Z, you know, we need to track this somehow. We need for you to be aware. Um, you know, my one client, she wanted me to write her meal plan. And as a personal trainer, I cannot write meal plans. I can give advice and, um, just basically give you advice and and facts about nutrition and refer you to my website or a dietitian, a dietitian, because I cannot say, okay, Jason, you are going to lose weight if you do X, Y, Z, because everybody, for one, everybody's body type is different and two, it responds to food different. We'll just say food, for example, Mm -hmm. but there has to be ownership. The client has to take ownership. You cannot 100% depend on me to, to write your workouts, to be right there with you each and every day, um, to, to make, make sure you prep your meals. And, and, and I think that is another, um, obstacle that a lot of people have is because we have, uh, our, everything at our fingertips now. Um, and we stay so busy that we don't take the time to prep that we don't take the time to do the little things that matter the most small goals. I always say small goals lead to big results. Okay. So this week, our goal is to take 30 minutes to prep two days. That's a goal. So I I try to get my clients to understand that I cannot do it all for them. 
that they have to take some sort of step of ownership. I had a client like that. She wanted me to write her a meal plan. And I'm like, I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. I cannot do that for you. But here are facts. Let's let's talk about your body type and what your body responds well to. So now she is texting me. Hey, I had this and this and this today. She wants the accountability. She wants the support. But she knows that she has to do it. That she has to make that time. Um, like she said, I just can't stand on my feet for five hours on Sunday. I said, well, what about another day during the week, midweek or something, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, prep for a few days for like three days. And then, you know, you've got some extra time another day, take 30 minutes or an hour, you know, or, or do little things each day. That's going to help you with the time that you have. It's all about balance with life, you know, because we're not the pros. We have jobs and families and, you know, um, we have those things to deal with. Our, our job is not a professional athlete, you know, mm-hmm. so we have to learn how to balance these things and everybody's lifestyle is different. Yeah, that's key. I think, uh, I think you hit on a lot of important points there. And, you know, I think a lot of it though, when I'm talking to people, you know, out of my gym or whatever, I'm dealing with people, I think a lot of people create obstacles when it starts yeah. to get hard, you know, like, well, I don't have time to meal prep or like you, your client said, well, you know, I, I can't be on my feet for five hours today. Well, why would you? It doesn't require that of you, you know, if, if, no. you, if you know a few little tricks here and there. Right. So I think sometimes we throw up obstacles when it's tough so that we give ourselves a reason to stay who we are. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about your background, a little bit about your clients. And I think one of the things that is most impressive to me is that you've basically practiced what you preach. Right? You've you've lived yes. the lifestyle. You've become the person who you know, lost 100 pounds and not only that became this super fit athlete. What a day one after you decided to make this change look like for you and how did it progress? Um, well, I, like I said, my husband, he presented us with a personal training package. So we looked at our schedules and contacted the trainer and, you know, we set up our first personal training session. I had no clue what to expect. I just know that I didn't want to be in, in the middle of the gym <laughs> with all these fit people. And you, cause you, when you grow grew up in the environment that I grew up in, you feel like everybody's watching you mm-hmm. and everybody actually is not watching you. Everybody <laughs> is doing their own thing. And I, ha- I, I have to reassure my clients of that, but you know, we go off to uh, uh, the corner or wherever they're comfortable and then they, they really get to see, Oh, wow. They're, you know, people are friendly, but anyway, um, our, our first session, I don't remember exactly everything that it entailed, but it was, it, it was definitely an experience and, um, we, we loved it obviously. Um, so as we started to lose weight and learn about nutrition and how to balance, um, at the time, cause I was working in a call center, I worked, um, for Bally Technologies, one of the largest ma- slot machine manufacturers. And, um, I worked in their call center, so I had to get up really early or when we met with her after 6 p.m. at night, um, I had to get up at like four in the morning. I had to carve out that time. I wanted it because I knew then when my doctor told me that I was headed for a heart attack and stroke that I needed to do something. Well, as I started to create my healthy habits and learn that it's not just what you do in that session, it's what you do outside that session that really matters too. Mm-hmm. Um we Jolene and I, she's my best friend to this day still. And we would talk about that, you know, we, you know, having that buddy, that friend, I would say that, 
you, you supported each other. Like we had two totally different personalities. She's more laid back, relaxed. I'm a go getter. And, you know, just, I go, (laughs) I don't know how else to describe myself. (laughs) I just do. I, I, I dive in and, um, anyway, uh, having that support, but also, um, as we started losing weight, we started getting a handle on what our balance looked like, because I, like I said, I would get up at four and five in the morning and, and go work out to make sure that my workouts or workouts were done, uh, before I had to be to work because mm-hmm. some, some days I didn't know that I was going to get off at six or if somebody was running late, I had to stay. So anyway, and she, um, she said, okay, girls, you're losing weight. Let's take your mind because I was obsessed with the scale. And I found my uh, weight loss journal not long ago. And I remember um, I would document my weight because I'm very detailed and I like to take notes. And I remember the first time I got below 200 pounds, I was 197 and a half. And I I, um, put asterisk stars beside it and put a heart because that was the goal was to get below 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so I had to learn to take my mind off that scale and put it on how my body felt, watching my body change. Uh, how do your clothes feel? How do they fit? You know, um, so as we started going through those changes, she said to my best friend and I, well, why don't you come back with an athletic goal? And I started chuckling. I was like, me, an athlete? Girl, I just, I want to feel good. And I want to, I want to continue to feel good. And I want to look good. I just want to lose weight. And that's all I want to do. And uh, she was like, just come back with something simple. So Jolene and I talked about it. We came back the next week and we said, well, what about a 5K, a 10K or a half marathon? And, you know, just something fun to do for fun to have another goal. And she goes, well, I'm training for this triathlon. I said, what is that? And she said, "Um, oh, it's just a swim, a bike and a run. Now, this girl, she swam and ran on the track team in college, and she rode her bike to school, to to college, you know? So it was nothing to her. I'm the former fat kid, losing weight, um, tried out for the track team, was turned down, you know, told I was never be anything, never be any good at anything. So, you know, I I believe that, honestly. So anyway, I, I told her, I said, good luck with trying to get me when she described what a triathlon was, a swim, a bike, and a run. And I was like, girl... For one, I was pushed in the pond by my younger sister facetiously, and my dad had to dive in and save me. I didn't know how to swim. He told me, don't go any further than what you can touch. Two, I fell off my bike when I was a kid, and I was made fun of. Good luck with getting me on one again. And three, I was not chosen for the track team. So mm-hmm. therefore, I'm not doing a triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> you had she, your excuses all lined up, huh? Like you said, we all create our own obstacles, right? hmm Mm-hmm. so uh, yeah um and so uh she was like oh come on girls she was like i'll teach you how to swim heather and so we had our first swim lesson with her at the gym we used our personal training session and she i'll never forget it she looked at my best friend and i she goes all right i want you guys to do four laps i looked at her and i said what are you talking about four laps i don't even know how to swim i started freaking out my best friend goes oh four laps is nothing she goes okay you are gonna do eight and I'm going to teach you how to swim. And so my, my best friend, Jolene said, you never tell a trainer that you know how to do something. <laughs> no, because she had to do more. Oh, so, true. um, so we embarked upon this journey of a triathlon. We registered for this thing actually, before we actually saw one. 
because two weeks before we were going to do ours, she goes, girls, have you went to watch triathlon? We were like, no, we trusted you. <laughs> we, we, we had no clue. So, but my relationship with water was not very pretty. I was really scared of the open water. So she taught me how to swim in the pool. And then once I got familiar with the pool and my form was better and I was more comfortable, we went to the uh, Boulder Beach Lake Mead and I was scared uh, to, to go any further. Like my dad said, oh, go any further than what you can touch. Well, that was an experience. And I, I learned how to backstroke very quickly <laughs> in the open water. But I was so scared because of what my dad told me. Don't go any further what you can touch. But I wasn't comfortable in the open water. And I say today, now that I know that I know that I know how to swim, uh, a race I did earlier this year, I was in the front one of the first times. You know, I, I got in the front at Worlds. But it, it took a lot for me because I was one of those that was in the back to the right that didn't want to get kicked in the face, didn't want to be around those people, just you guys go ahead of me. <laughs> I ended up getting swam on top of in my first triathlon. I ended up backstroking, uh, trying to get out of the water really fast. And I rolled, rolled over and realized that I needed to, you know, do freestyle and sight like I was taught. But making it to that buoy each Sunday, um, I'll never forget. It was like two weeks before the race, actually. Um, I swam to the buoy the first buoy that was my objective was to swim to the first buoy without panicking and I did and I turned around and came back but my best friend was on one side of me and my trainer was on the other my trainer valued me and invested in me so much that she would take she wasn't getting paid she took the time because she cared about me enough and my race enough to you know, she had to get her open water swim in too, but she made sure that she took care of me. Right. And so that, that's what I believe in doing with my clients is, mm-hmm. you know, it's about them, you know, it, it's, and now, like I said, now I get in the open water. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's, wow. let's compete. <laughs> but that's quite the turnaround. It's a complete 180 from, from where you started. I'm interested, you know, to yeah. know that, you know, you started your journey um, with the weight loss, with the nutrition, with the fitness, knowing that you had a pretty long road ahead of you. I'm curious, mm-hmm. at what point in that journey did you start looking at the triathlons or the, the races or whatever? How, how long had you been training when this came to the forefront? Um, well, uh, we had been training maybe, I want to say maybe six months, three, between three and six months. And there was a triathlon a year out that she was training for. So we all did it together. But, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was about a year out, uh, from the triathlon. But the funny thing was we never went and saw one until two weeks before wow. ours. And we both said that if we had not registered for this thing, this triathlon, we didn't know if we'd do it, but it was one of the most, you know, as we continued to lose weight, our self-confidence grew and we grew as athletes and, we and little did I know that I'm I'm a runner that I love to run I love to bike and I love to run and um, I love to swim now um, and I get to teach others how to swim as a triathlon coach um, but just uh, it's it's an amazing experience um, like crossing that finish line for the first time and knowing that you invested in yourself and knowing that. Uh, you lost weight through this and you changed and you grew and you became a different person and you see life differently than what you did before. Like I said, 
just the feeling of, you know, going to the gym and lifting, um, people complimenting you. You don't think people are paying attention to you sometimes, but people are watching your journey. Mm-hmm. People are, you know, like people come up to my clients, Hey, you're doing really good. You're looking strong. You're losing weight, you know? And I think that also the support of people at the gym really helps. I mean, you know, it just, it helps you, you feel good and you feel comfortable when, when you know that people, people see you in a different light, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. How could they not? I mean, you're, I think it's one of those, one of those leadership conundrums. I think a lot of times people think leadership is leading other people, but the reality is leadership is leading yourself. And then you turn around and you see all the eyes that you've drawn because you're leading you. And it sounds very similar to that gym experience you're talking about. Absolutely. You have to lead yourself. You know, I, when I realized what triathlon and personal training did for me, I asked my personal trainer if I would make a good personal trainer. And she told me absolutely, especially with beginners, because I started with zero fitness, you Mm -hmm. know, and people look at me today and they're like, oh, you've been skinny your whole life. You know, (laughs) people I'm giving consults to, I'm like, no, ma'am, no, sir. They're like, what? And I'm like, yes, I have pictures back in the office in my purse. (laughs) I have a hundred pounds on me and they're like, whoa, you're, you're a totally different person inside and out. Yes. That's amazing. Absolutely. It's, it's so funny how people take us take a look at you and decide that they know your life, right? Right, right. They have no clue what you've overcome, the obstacles you've overcome, like my relationship with food, going from bulimia to eating healthy and well and clean now and having a positive outlook even on food and not falling back into that it is a miracle in and of itself, you know. Mm. Um, but it does take a lot of hard work. And that's what I tell people it's it is not easy and it takes just daily strides. Uh, life is about choices. And that's the same thing with training, training. I always tell people training and spiritual growth, they go hand in hand because you're growing, you're shedding, you're taking layers off shackles that you put on your wrists and your feet, not literally, but you know, you, like you said, you, you've created your own obstacles or your own bondage for yourself. I know what it feels like to feel trapped and, just like, will I ever do anything? Will I ever make anything of myself? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things that uh, people struggle with believing is that people who have accomplished something have bad days. You know, it's like, yeah. no, we, everyone has bad days. You know, it doesn't matter what's, what your station in life is. You know, what do you say to folks? You know, so I'm sure you get this as a trainer and, you know, and as a triathlete, you know, what do you, what do you say to people when they ask you, you know, how you keep going even on those tough days? You don't give up. And and I know that sounds easy, but it is not easy. Uh, This year has been a very different for myself and my husband. My husband's lost his job twice, uh, actually last Monday. Um, My business has picked up more, but just, you know, it's all in perspective. Like I told somebody the other day, working out is my outlet. Now I haven't raced as much as what I wanted to, but, you know, family is more important, you know, Mm -hmm. paying the bills right now is more important, but. I, I, I love, love working out. I believe in being the example for other people. See, the funny thing is, is when I moved to Connecticut, I was registered in school to be a social worker, to go get my bachelor's degree, to be a social worker. And I met my husband Mm -hmm. and then I moved to Las Vegas and little did I know that I would be a personal trainer. Obviously that wasn't God's will for my life to become like a, a social worker or a counselor, but I am kind of like a social worker or a counselor in another way. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, definitely. I I think most personal trainers are, you know, because again, you're dealing with, you're bumping up against people who are dealing with their own programs every single day. You know, they're dealing with the limiting beliefs and negative self-talk and all the bullshit that they're carrying from childhood and all the rest of it. Right. And everybody's program looks different. Your, your program looks different from your friends and Mm. X, Y, Z, because everybody wants to do the same thing, but everybody doesn't have the same body type. So that's right. That's right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. how did you get into like, uh, obviously, you know, going from zero fitness and overweight into the world of triathletes, triathlons, you know, how do you go from there to the next step, which was being competitive? You know, what did that look like for you? Um, well, when we finished our first triathlon, I, I and one, I still hear it to this day. It is one of the friendliest sports. Not that run, just solely running isn't. But when I did my first triathlon, I mean, of course, in the water, you cannot. Um, I was very codependent on my wetsuit in the water. But today, you know, it's just like I said, overcoming those obstacles. So anyway, on the bike and the run, when people were passing you, they were cheering for you. They were telling you when you when they saw us struggling, like we went up that pumpkin man hill in Las Vegas, um, you know, there in Boulder Beach. People, people that were passing us with flying colors were just were encouraging. And, and it made me want to do the next one. And then as my weight started and kept coming off, my numbers start, started dropping and I become more competitive with myself for the first time in my life. And I'll never forget, like, I missed third place on the podium by 30 seconds. (laughs) Mm, And I want to, oh, yeah, I was tough. (laughs) They caught me at the end. You know, you just become, you become addicted because of what it does for you on the inside. Like I said, it's my outlet. Um, It's just, you're accomplishing things. Right. and so you become more competitive with yourself. And then there is that addiction of overtraining, working out too much. You have to learn to listen to your body. We don't, and you know, injuries are never any fun, but sometimes that's how we have to learn, <laughs> right. unfortunately. And I had one and I had to learn, you know, I had to listen, listen to my body. I'm, I'm in my early thirties and, you know, I needed to, to learn, learn that hard lesson. Um, but, and then I'll never forget um, the day that I placed first in my age group. It was um, like 2012. Yeah. Two, two years later, I had become that competitive. I would go ride the race courses and I just, I love to ride my bike. I love to run. I love to swim. I love to lift. And um, so anyway, the day that I won my, my age group at Amica triathlon in Las Vegas, um, it, for one, standing there on the podium, not being third or second, being first, it it was just a huge sense of accomplishment. It was something I wanted and that I trained for. I dedicated myself to it. But then I get this email. I received this email from USA Triathlon inviting me to uh, national championships. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) I couldn't go that year. It took a few years to get there, but I became more competitive and, and uh, like I said, kept working on uh, getting faster and being more efficient. And, uh, I ended up going to, um, nationals, um, and I didn't make the team that year, which was fine. Uh, I think it, I want to say 2014. And then I got frustrated because I felt like the swim was holding me up and I'm a runner. So I tried a duathlon, which is run, bike, run. And so I, 
my first duathlon, I hit the podium, I hit third place, then I hit second, then I hit first. And so I ended up making duathlon Team USA. And so I went to Canada, uh, to Penticton, Canada, right above Washington State to mm-hmm. represent the U.S. and uh, on amateur Team USA. And then at the end, after I experienced that, which was an amazing feeling because they have the Parade of Nations like they do for the pros. And it's just it was it was an amazing experience. And then I went and tried out for triathlon. I started working on my swim again in 2017. And I ended up making the team and going to Australia last year and representing uh, the U.S. on triathlon team USA. That had always been my dream because I knew the swim was my weak point and I wanted to accomplish that swim. I wanted to make team USA. I wanted to have my name on my butt, as they say. I wanted (laughs) to wear the stars and stripes. And, you know, when I saw my friends wearing those blue suits and how cool it was and they got to travel, I was like, oh, man. I wonder if I can do that. And then I actually did it. <laughs> and my husband made it possible because he supported me. He supported my dreams. He believed mm. in me, um, you know, and yeah. So it was, like I said, those those two competitions were amazing. And, and one day, you know, I'll end up going back. But um, right now, life, life is life. <laughs> right. What was the time span from that initial triathlon into, say, Australia? What, what, what was that? Eight years. Time? Eight years. So you yeah. were constantly holding on to this dream and holding on to this idea that of improvement over the course mm-hmm. of eight years. Yes. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. It, yeah, yeah. And it keeps me going because, like I said, I believe in being the example for people, you know, no matter how, how life rough get, how rough life gets, you still have the outlet of working out. Just go clear your mind. You mm-hmm. know? Just, um, you know, take care of yourself, you know, look at it as investing in you. Uh, that's the way I see it. Uh, you know, I invest in myself. So, you know? so how do you see yourself nowadays? Like when you, you know, <laughs> contrast that against the the young woman that you were telling me about early in the podcast, you know, how, how do you see you? What are your feelings around yourself when you look in the mirror now? Oh my gosh, I feel so free. That's the first word that comes to my mind because like we talked about, we hold ourselves back. We hold ourselves in bondage. We have these perceptions of ourselves, especially as you hear negativity, but you think everybody else is watching you, but I mean, they're not, I mean, they watch your journey, but they don't constantly watch you. I hope that makes sense, Mm -hmm. but I feel more confident. I feel more at peace with who I am and my, my perception of myself. I mean, I'm not cocky or anything. I always want to stay humble and because I made a promise to God when I, hit the podium for the first time um, at first in my age group in a triathlon or in a 5k. Cause I've won numerous 5ks and come, come in overall or first in my age group that I would never be cocky that I would always race. Yes. Uh, trying to better myself, but race for those who couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, who, who aren't physically able. And I just, I admire para triathletes or para athletes those runners but anyway and I just um I keep myself motivated with other other goals that I have now but I just I'm more at peace I'm more at peace on the inside I feel free that's uh it's it's such a beautiful way of describing freedom and peace like uh Mm -hmm. you know when you look at your life I think a lot of people nowadays especially are you know chasing things or 
chasing notoriety or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, everybody wants the same thing. And I believe that to be peace. You know, as I got on that plane to go to Australia last year, I was like, I'm going to represent the U.S. (laughs) in another country. (laughs) I am on Team USA. OMG, you know, oh my gosh. And one of my friends, she goes, I said, you know, I get to race on the same platform as the pros and race with the best of the best. And she goes, Heather, can I tell you something? (laughs) And I said, yeah. She goes, you are one of the best of the best. <laughs> but I, I, <laughs> I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> she goes, you're one of those people. And I was, but, you know, I, I never want that to go to my head. I, right. I always want to remember the experience. I want to stay humble. I want to, you know, just do my best. No, you know, and the thing with competition is some people get caught up in what everybody else is doing around them, that they lose sight of their journey. Mm-hmm. 100%. So when you were, yeah. when you landed in Australia and, and you were getting ready for this event, you know, what was that like for you? I mean, obviously you had a sense of elation for making the team, you know, but yeah. then you line up on the starting line, right. And you're getting ready to go, you know, what's going through your head and you know, how did that race go for you? Um, it, it went well. Um, I, I, I was just ready to take care of business. Um, I was ready. I, that's why I was there, uh, obviously, but it was, it was a night, I mean, Australia, getting in the car on the the opposite side, getting on the right side of the car, driving on the left side of the road. Um, that was an experience, really tight parking spaces. Um, the lady, uh, my host, because I stayed in an apartment, an Airbnb, she had to park my car because they were just so, <laughs> my SUV, they were so close. Right. <laughs> and going down that steep parking garage, I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> but it was it was an amazing experience. I stayed 50 feet from the beach on this apartment um, on the 16th floor. And the sunrise would wake, you, wake me up at 5 in the morning. I didn't need an alarm clock to get up and go run or, you know, go take a swim or whatever. But it was just enjoy. I was enjoying the, the scenery, obviously, trying to explore a little bit um, with, you know, what money I had. And um, but the race was amazing. You know, the, the water was perfect. Um, and you felt like you were in a washing machine because of the current. But uh, you got I got on my bike and I stayed with the pack. And it was just it was very competitive. I mean, you know, it was athletes from all over the world, amateur athletes, you know, I met an Aussie, uh, obviously I met, uh, athletes from Great Britain, you know, just all, all over the world and everybody was really friendly and everybody was really welcoming. But when it came to race day, you weren't friends, <laughs> <laughs> you were competitors, That's right. but you know, it, it, we all were wishing each other good luck. Um, no matter what country we were from, you know, we all drafted off of each other um, you know, it was, it was an amazing experience. That sounds like an amazing trip. Where were you in Australia? Uh, Gold Coast. Okay. Um, it was, yep. Surfer's Paradise is mm-hmm. where we stayed. And it was just, it, it was gorgeous. There was no other way to explain it. I mean, being across the street from the beach and then you could walk to the grocery stores. You really didn't have to drive. I didn't need my car much. Everybody was just really friendly. One guy, I mean, they would have, you know, just like different uh, activities going on. And it was, it was just a, a different experience. It was, it was amazing. 
For sure. I have this uh, idea that, you know, a lot of times we learn more about ourselves or learn something new about ourselves when we go through something difficult. You know, a lot of times Mm -hmm. in the modern world, that tends to be some sort of athletic event or something self-imposed. And, you know, when, when you're looking at your competitions and looking back on some of the things you've accomplished, you know, what are some of the things that you learned about yourself when, you know, you're facing some difficult challenges or you're in a difficult competition? Um, that other people motivate me, you know, like being around other competitors that are run at my pace. Um, but the one thing I've learned about myself is, uh, that I persevere. And I guess that's why triathlon fits me. (laughs) Endurance. No, (laughs) um, but I, like I said, I'm a go-getter and I, I just dive in. I, um, I'm very structured. That's one thing I've learned about myself is, uh, but I've learned to not be too structured because you can get in a rut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very disciplined. I was raised army life, you know, farm life, you know, getting up at the crack of dawn. I'd rather get up at five, four thirty-five o'clock and, you know, start my day rather than staying up till 11 or midnight. That's just not me unless I sleep in. <laughs> right. But Uh, I'm an early bird. My best friend wasn't, you know, 10 o'clock was early to her. Mm -hmm. And now she's getting up at six and seven and, and working out. So you grow and change over time. Those things change um, over time. Right. So coming, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of a believer in the uh, Jocko Willink philosophy that discipline equals freedom. Absolutely. You know, and like I said, you don't want to get too structured because you can put yourself in a box. I've done that. You know, you can get too addicted to exercise that it um, it just becomes your world. And therefore, you know, I, I got addicted to it, not horribly, but I just had to realize that there's, you know, exercise just can't be everything, even though you feel great while you're doing it, you know, like you've accomplished something. But, you know, I had to learn balance. I had an, I caused a few injuries because. I didn't listen to my body and I was frustrated and I kept running and, or I kept cycling or swimming, you know, or lifted, you know, wanted to go too, too heavy and you got to listen to your body. That's, that's another thing. <laughs> that's another lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's one that a lot of people learn the hard way. Uh, so what is it that you would recommend or, or tell someone who's looking to get into triathlon? You know, where do they need to start? What do they need to do? What are some of the things they need to consider um, going in? Well, balance in life you have to figure out your schedule and how much time you have to train that is the first thing uh and what is your current level of fitness that's first and foremost uh are you working out were you a former athlete you know what you know what is your life like now um because you can i mean you can train i always tell my clients that it's my job to help you know you give me your what what you can do and we will fit it in. You know, if you only have 45 minutes for a swim, then we'll work on X, Y, Z. It depends on what they need to work on. But yeah, it, it's it's about balance. That's that's the key is is balance. Can you work out four days a week, five days a week, six days a week? You know, I didn't start out at six days a week, but now I work out six days a week. And, you know, some people start at four and then they, you know, as life takes another turn and they have uh, more time, then they work out five, you know, but it's just about manipulating the program. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I'm, I'm curious to ask you is, um, I'm, and I'm doing more running uh, of late. I've never been much of a runner, never considered myself much of a runner and just taking in some different information on how to, you know, best ramp up the mileage. Is it just a matter of starting 
with lower mileages and slowly and gradually building up? Or is there a specific formula that you use? Um, I would say first thing I always tell people is we have to start with technique because you want that injury prevention there. And then um, second of all, where are you at in your training? You know, what are you doing now? And, and being wise and smart. How is your body responding to what you're doing now? Um, do you need to add in more flexibility? You know, uh, stretching, foam rolling, doing those little things that are going to help prevent those injuries. Um, do you need a night of yoga? <laughs> you know, um, so it's it's more than just going out there and running. It's more about technique and taking care of your body, the upkeep that your body responds to. Mm, yeah, that's such a huge point. Yeah. I guess uh, mm-hmm. the fact that I'm coming from a gym, I didn't even consider that, but a lot of people for sure would definitely benefit from the stretching piece, obviously, and the rolling piece oh, and, yeah. and making sure that their tissues are well well cared for. But I didn't even think about that. So once that piece is in place, then it's a matter of ramping up the mileage and, and doing it properly, I'm guessing, with correct technique and going from there, depending on how your body's Right. Going. It's about building your fitness, building. There is a formula with triathlon, but it's about building your fitness. And, and as you, you don't want to increase the mileage too soon, too fast, mm. because you can, it can lead to injury. Every, like I said, everybody's body responds differently. Some people recover well, some don't. Um, so it, it just, you know, it's what does balance look like for your body? So what's next on the horizon for you? <laughs> well, I'm going to do a, um, a triathlon October 5th with one of my clients to encourage her. Um, it's called Lycra and Lace. It's um, here, I think, in Port DeSoto. It's an all-women's triathlon. And, um, yeah, I'm going to go do that with her for fun. Next year, I'll probably do St. Anthony's. I'm going to do a 5K uh, Thanksgiving Day. I'm actually heading up a program, a Couch to 5K program for a Livestrong uh, program at the YMCA. I work at part-time. I'm a Livestrong coach. And the more I, either volunteers or runners or whatever, we, the more proceeds go to our uh, Livestrong program for cancer survivors at the Y. Um, but other than that, I'm just working on keeping myself healthy and well and fit. Um, I'm rehabbing a little hamstring injury that is getting better week to week. Like I said, balance. I'm only running 20 minutes right now, but you know, it's 20 minutes of something that I love, you know, just gradually increasing my week. I mean, my, my duration by five minutes, see how my body responds and it's seeming to do very well. Beautiful. Happy to hear that. Yeah. I'm always leery of people who say they're doing a triathlon for fun. I just have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Some people uh, you know, it's do, a fun do little not triathlon. find triathlons fun, but yeah. I, I like the competition. I like competing <laughs> against myself. I mean, I know that this one, my numbers are not going to be where I would love for, you know, they might be pretty close, but I know my run because I've uh, been rehabbing this, um, this little hamstring strain, I don't, I know it's not going to be where I want it to be, but I'm still going to go push myself, you know, see what I've got in the tank and, and just go from there. But yeah, just go do a race for fun. Cause the last one I did was in April and, uh, you know, it's just a different season in life right now. Uh, competition has been kind of put on the back burner 
Um, That's beautiful. The triathlon for mm -hmm. fun. One day I'm going to be able to say that and, and believe it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do triathlon for fun. You should join me. It'll be a great time. <laughs> You'll love it. You'll love it. <laughs> Fantastic. So tell me, what does success look like for you at this point in your life? What success looks like to me is my clients progressing. Mm, yes. Gotcha. I had a week, like two weeks ago, four of my clients accomplished their goals, their bodies. It was either their nutrition or, you know, just um, taking daily strides, uh, progressing, uh, being able to, to progress their program because they're getting stronger and fitter, you know, mm -hmm. that's success to me, seeing them grow. Wow. Absolutely amazing. So before I ask my last question, tell the folks listening how they can get in touch with you and maybe employ you if that's a possibility. Sure. Um, I have a Facebook page called Joy Through Fitness, T-H-R-U. So it's J-O-Y, T-H-R-U, Fitness. Um, I have a, uh, an Instagram, Joy Through Fitness as well, uh, Twitter as well. And I have a website, uh, 2020customfitness.com. It has a five-minute assessment on there. You, um, you have the option to... Um, sit down with me and put yourself on my calendar for 30 minutes and do a discovery call and see uh, what your first step should be, where you should go. But the assessment is uh, basically about how you're feeling right now, where you are at and how I can help you go from the point where you're at to your goals, how to reach your goals. So Beautiful, beautiful. I'll definitely link all that up yeah. in the show notes. And my last question is Thank always you. the same. And that's simply this. What does wellness mean to you? Wellness? Wellness about, is about quality of life and balance, I believe. Helping people feel free. Um, it's, you know, I, I have so many people say, you know, I, I want to be around for my kids or my grandkids. Or I, I want to see them grow up and um, I just, I don't feel well. Or I can't go to Tampa, you know, um, Bush Gardens. I can't go to Bush Gardens and... Um, and walk the theme park without being achy. You know, wellness is being able to 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 feel good about yourself and, and to enjoy life. Enjoy life with your family, uh, going to theme parks, whatever it is that you love to do. It, it's 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 about feeling great doing it. Mm, I absolutely love that. It's uh, so much more mm. than just being fit. And I appreciate your perspective on that. And I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share your story. I know it's going to benefit a ton of people. Guys, if you haven't plugged into Heather's world, be sure and do so. Check out the links in the show notes and look her up. If you're looking for some help, I think she can coach you even remotely. So if you're not in her areas, be sure and reach yeah. out. And until then, guys, on behalf of Heather and myself, we'll see you in the next episode. Take care. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing. And by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.